also remind me to talk about the continued violence from boys and other people oh like my God, as I was yes. a kid. Because they were all scared. They were always so scared because we were always like getting threatened to be beat up. Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. What's up, weirdos? We're back with the queen of cringe herself, Dawn, who we met on episode 98 when she busted out her big box of middle school notes. You may remember this story she shared from the diary. Someone finger banged me as I swam by, and I blamed it on Mike E. Boy, was he mad. I guess I was wrong. Ever since I got boobs and wore a bra, it was just the constant snapping of my bra. And boys would corner me after school when I was trying to leave in a corner and try to feel my boobs and stuff, you know. So I think I was so used to being manhandled that, like, it didn't really phase me that right. much. boy. In her last episode, we talked about the things that Dawn was learning about her body, what it got her, the good stuff and the bad. The bad stuff Dawn learned how to deal with, with a whole bunch of different strategies she used from middle school until today. When I was a kid, I was so like, Jesus says to turn the other cheek that you could do something cruel to me on the playground. And then come inside and sit next to me and ask me for a pencil. And I would happily loan you my pencil, you know, like, and a bunch of things happened in junior high where I saw the light. And then I moved into this thing in eighth grade where I was like, I don't give a crap about any of y'alls. So we're going to hear about some of those learning moments that shaped her. Yes, the feeling of not being at home in her body, but also how she approaches uncomfortable situations head on and with humor. In the beginning was Dawn, and Dawn had a propensity for hurting herself all the time. This is awesome. List of things I have injured myself with. I mentioned to you the violence and a lot of pain. So I was constantly hurting myself so much so that I had to carry a permission slip with me everywhere I went because one time I broke an arm and my parents went and had gone shopping after church and like they couldn't do anything until my parents. So it was like six oh. hours of like me <gasps> screaming in pain with this crushed arm. Like so one time for Tracy's birthday, because for some reason, every time I would do something stupid and hurt myself, the first thing which she would do is laugh hysterically. And then she'd be like, are you OK? That's my judge for, like, if I can be friends with someone. If somebody is one of those people that when you fall, they, like, get mad. They're, like, angry at you for, I don't know, the incompetence or uh-huh. embarrassing them or something. I'm not going to. We're not going to work out. No, absolutely not. In fact, no. like, I was just, that just made me think of one night. I was out with my friend Eric, and we were drinking a little bit. And I used to wear these giant kiss boots, which sometimes I would trip. And he was like, let's just run in this bar right before the, the Bowie movie and grab a drink. And I like tripped and I like went flying into the bar and like face planted in the middle of the bar. And everyone was trying so hard not to laugh. Right. And I was like, you can laugh. You, you should know? definitely like, laugh. it's hilarious. <laughs> so one time she was feeling really sad. So I got a calendar and I wrote one of my accidents on every single day of the calendar. So every day she could like laugh about an accident. Aww. There were enough injuries to fill a whole calendar. (sighs) 
but she also experienced violence perpetuated by others. And that started early. But yeah, the violence thing started like I was, um, I think because it was always kind of saucy and sassy and I just didn't really ever really care, even when I was a kid, what people thought. I pushed boys' buttons, right? I suppose. So I don't remember what led up to it. I just remember hitting the ground. But in kindergarten, this little boy pushed me down on the playground so hard that I broke my collarbone. Oh! And then in first grade, I got shot with a BB gun by my neighbor, very painfully so, and still had a crush on him and <laughs> broke my wrist trying to flirt with him doing this stunt on a tricycle. And then the next year, I was at my grandma's house and I had a cousin that was my age that was there. Well, he was older than me. That was playing with me and my sister. I didn't really know him. And I said something while we were playing basketball that pissed him off. And he full on punched me in the nose as hard as he could. And like blood was shooting everywhere. And then it was like a big thing. Like your kid hit my kid. And um, it just kind of went on like that. Like I was always getting like harassed or like shoved all the way in high school. Like like the drama continued. Um, So I don't think it was that weird to me when I ended up with someone who was like physically psycho with me sometimes. Because I was just kind of like trained in that regard. Right. Dawn had a boyfriend later in life who was, as she said, physically psycho with her. That's basically all she's going to say on that. But her point stands. All these little episodes culminate in a full training package, how we can expect boys to react to and treat us. In third grade, I was working on a project with a classmate and I said something that pissed him off. He stabbed me in the arm with a pencil. I still have a scar. So, boys, be popping off. Okay, we're leaving the kiddie pool and heading into middle school. And Dawn's diary mentions a creepy teacher, which I'm going to include because this, too, is training. It's normalized violence. Talking about my pervert teacher, he was a super pervert. He would spank girls on the ass and try to look down your shirt every time he walked to your desk, like... And we would keep complaining, and they were like, yeah, people complain about what a pervert he is every year. He would chase girls around trying to grab them as a joking, dirty old man on purpose. And they were like, well, he's got a lot of tenure, and he's going to he's gonna retire in a few years. So there's what did you write do. about him? Oh, just that he was such a jerk. Ugh. And he's such a creep. So by eighth grade, Dawn had learned some lessons, and she was ready to stand up for herself. But how exactly do you do that? I never, like, I was never physical and I would never have been, like, outwardly mean to anyone. I just stopped taking people's crap. I would, like, went the complete opposite of the Jesus (laughs) thing and was just like, what? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then by high school, I found a nice, even space where I'm just like, I'm doing my own thing. I can't waste my energy on what Uh the rest of the world thinks you know right right and then it was in my happy zone but yeah it was kind of a b in eighth grade yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's finding yourself though yeah exactly you had to go through like the extremes to like find what's your happy middle ground right and i still feel like i'm learning that lesson as far Mm -hmm. as like 
I mean, you're calling it the Jesus thing, and I do agree with that. The, mm-hmm. like, turn the other cheek kind of yeah. thing. But I also think it has to do with being women. Like, we're oh, taught to accommodate totally. other people's needs and mm-hmm. be aware of their needs and all that, right? Yep. So there's that. And then I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, what pieces of that do I want for myself to still have? And where do mm-hmm. I have to defend myself and other people and not be a doormat, you know? Yeah. No, I know. I I was just saying this to Liz the other night that I, I read this article. Or actually, I watched a little clip on CNN of a high school girl talking about her experience of finding out that the boys in school had like put their faces on a bunch of porn and it was like 30 girls and the guys were sharing it all around. And she said that she remembered going to the principal's office and that, yes, she was crying a little when she left. And then as she was walking through the halls, she saw a group of girls all standing, cowering with each other, crying and a group of guys across the way, making fun of them. She's like, and then I stopped crying and I just got mad. And I said to Liz, But for a girl, that's what you do when you're mad. You cry the hardest when you want to tear someone's face off because you got so conditioned to, like, don't create a scene, never be violent, never, like, you know, like. So the only way I knew how to respond when I would have been a boy and punched someone was to just disappear and cry. Right, right. And there were times even, like, I remember this job that I had with my boss. He was kind of a D. Like, to the extent that, like, one time, just because he thought it was funny in front of a group of people, he pulled out the chair I was going to sit down on, and I smashed my ass on the ground, you know? And he laughed hysterically, you know? like, <laughs> And, like, when I told him I need to go because my grandma's dying, and he was like, well, how do you know she's dying? And I was like, well... My fam- the women in my family have this thing where they always lose a whole bunch of weight right before they go. And my grandma just dropped a ton of weight. And he said to me, I'm sitting there telling him my grandma's dying. He said to me, well, at least there's hope for you someday. And started cracking up. So that's the no, level of no, person no, this is. Yeah. No. So they, he, they would, some, those two guys would sometimes make me so angry that I would just have to like leave the building and steam around the place like scream crying and like mad at myself that I was crying because I'm just angry but it's like it's just so conditioned like you yeah. just don't know how to get it out totally. any other way except right. like in your dreams maybe, right you know <laughs> I know I kind of wish I had explored more just screaming at people yeah mm-hmm. I like I have not done enough of that in my yeah, life probably not I mean, when I took that self-defense class, and I, I only made it halfway through, so I kind of joke. I always joke that I learned just enough to really get my ass kicked, like just enough to super piss you off, but not finish you off. But the most important thing she had us do was she's like, every time we kick, every time we punch, you're going to scream like a banshee. Yeah. And that was like huge for me. like Because... Yeah. And, and the, her whole concept of, like, look, if someone's even coming near you and you don't like the feel of it, just freaking start screaming. It's their problem and everyone else's problem, what they think. Like, you're protecting you, you know? like. And so I didn't think that I had really taken it in as much as I did. And I, I might have told this before, but so one day, well, two things happened. One, my, my ex-boyfriend would always be like, Pfft. Ooh, I'm so scared. Like you're gonna punch my lights out. You know how guys will always make fun of you when you're trying to learn how to defend yourself. Why? I don't know. 
Um, so one time I was cooking and he came in and like kind of playfully kicked me in the butt and it like flew through the air, spun around in the stance, like screaming like a banshee. And it was instinctive. And he was like, whoa, you know, and I was like, whoa, okay. I'm like starting to get this. And another time I was in Subway with my best friend and there were these like college jock guys behind us saying all this disgusting stuff about her, like loud enough for us to hear. And I was getting more and more heated. And all of a sudden I just let out the most piercing banshee scream at the top of my lungs in the middle of the subway. I remember everybody froze and you could just hear one of the ladies behind the counter like drop the knife that she was using and it was just like dead silent for like a minute but they shut up and they didn't say another word and we got outside and my best friend was like can you just give me like a heads up next time you're gonna do that because you scared the crap out of me and I was like well I just felt like we didn't have to take that anymore In my early 20s, I went to a party thrown by some of my guy friends from high school. It was someone's birthday and they got him a stripper. In my mind, I thought, I'm cool, open-minded, non-judgmental about sex and sex work. This is not a problem. You guys, this turned out to be a problem. She started performing and about 10 minutes in, I felt like I was watching a puppy be beat to death. The room faded to black and all I could see was her, this precious human. I left my body and I started screaming at my friends. One of them shuffled me out the door and that was that. But what I do know now, at least about myself, is when I see pain, I fucking know what it is. And screaming at least gets attention. Aside from screaming, here's what else Dawn has put into practice. And after that point, like, I used to have to walk to the um, parking lot at San Francisco State in the dark by myself at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And there were a lot of rapes on the campus that they would hide. And I'd had some sketchy encounters before. So from that point on, I learned to do things. Like, if I feel like someone's following me to this day, I will turn around and just stare at you walking towards me. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what you think about that. Like, but it's hard. It's scary to turn around and be like, you know, but when you do that... I feel like just that alone is something, but she kind of taught us like, you just have to like let people know that you're not the victim, you know, like however you have to do that. And sometimes I would like, I did stuff like stop and ask a guy, look, I'd like you to walk in front of me the rest of the way. And they'd be like, no, I totally understand. I remember one time we arrived at the elevator for the parking lot at the same time. And I said to the guy, please don't take offense because I'm sure you're a lovely person. But why don't you take this elevator and I'll take the next one. And he was like, Oh my God, I totally understand. I have sisters like, you know, I'm good for you. You know, like, so I also learned that there are a lot of men out there that actually like understand, you know, and like are, are encouraging you to take care of yourself. Right. But for some reason you just end up dating the ones. that. (laughs) (laughs) I was remembering that. When I was in like eighth grade, I was on a school trip. It must have been to Disneyland or something because it was like nighttime. We were driving home late at night Mm -hmm. and I was sitting next to my guy friends and I like laid my head down on his 
lap. That's what it must have been. Either his lap or a pillow. Or, I don't know. Regardless, mm-hmm. I was like reclined. Yeah. And when I woke up, he was feeling me up. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was when we were like 12. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And I, I think got about some stories for you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it just escalates from there, right? Yeah, like, yeah. But but that's the point is that like, a why the f did he think that he could do that at twelve? Yeah. yeah. Why had nobody told him that that wasn't okay? Yeah. And like that was you know one of my first experiences engaging yeah. you know with yeah. the opposite sex or whatever, and I didn't think it was like abnormal or weird. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Yeah, I feel totally. like we just got no training, obviously, about like consent and conversation. But also, like, or the boys no got the or... wrong training as well. Like, they got the training of like they you, they would care about if it was their own sister. But other than that, like, get in there, get do get what you can get all right. the time. Well, because you know? the like, way it was communicated, even in like the church messaging, right, yeah. it was like a battle or a war right or like you're winning you win her or whatever you fight for her like all of that kind of language and the messaging was always that it's all on the woman's shoulder to stop something from happening correct you know and i was like what i'm like like because i well and i i feel like they also didn't mean necessarily me being like stop fucking touching me yeah they, yeah. they meant like what i was dressed mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. it was probably my fault because i had like laid my head on him you know what i mean mm-hmm, like all these mm-hmm. behaviors yeah, yeah, were my yeah. fault i mean even the guy that i was dating when i was 12 and he was 16 which he was a church guy. Yeah, i know my mom like lost it when she found out but i was so innocent kind of even still that like i was the way church would work is um, we had tw- twice on Sundays. So we'd leave around 1130 because we had to get out before the Catholics so we could beat them to like Marie calendars right. or whatever <laughs> or like Sizzler. And so you'd go like either to Sizzler with your family and then go home and do stuff and then come home at church or you'd go home with a friend from church to their house and then they'd bring you back to church. So you got to hang out with your friends. Right. So I was at her house. Um, his sister was my age, and I was there hanging out. We were swimming, uh, uh, and, I, uh, and then we ate a whole bunch of food. And I was really tired, and I laid down on the couch and fell uh-huh. asleep. Yeah. And I woke up, and he was totally on top of me on my backside, like trying to feel me up. <gasps> and I just started elbowing and kick, throwing like back kicks, and like being like, "Get the hell off of me!" You know. And he was my boyfriend, so it was like I should have, I guess, been okay with that. But I was like. What I didn't consent to any of this. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? You know, no. like. So Dawn had some fight instincts at her disposal, but she had to be really smart how to use them in high school. Yeah, there's always there's always some, but like the biggest one in high school was when the guy bitch slapped me and then he punched my friend's teeth so bad that he killed all her front teeth. What? I'll try to make this super short. We got bust into Bakersfield High, which was in the inner city of Bakersfield. So it was like a mixture. It was like 35% like white kids. And then everything else was a mix of African-American, Latinx, Latin, whatever. Um, there was all these Asian foreign exchange students mm-hmm. that played hockey. So it was just kind of like, and then there were all these pregnant moms. Like it was like this crazy yep. intense scene. And it was very violent. People would get jumped in bathrooms and beat the crap out of for no reason. Um, but I was like one of the honor student gate kids, you know, and like super good kid. 
but it looked weird. And I don't even know how it started, but I had these girls in my uh, gym class. Hated us because there were just me and one other white girl in the class. And they wouldn't pick on me, but they would always pick on her because she was really tiny. And mm -hmm. like, so one day the teacher locked us in a room and was like, okay, play jungle ball. I'll be back in an hour. So jungle ball is volleyball with no rules. So they kept hitting us with the balls. And my friend Lana was like, I swear to God, if she hits me one more time, I'm going to spike it in her face. I was like, please don't do that. Because like our um, place where we would dress out was so dangerous. Like people would get beat up in there and the lady would just stay behind the cage and not do anything. So sometimes you wouldn't even put your clothes back on because it was too dangerous. You would just go in your yeah. sweats to class. And I was like, please, please don't do that. And that was how it started because she kept spiking the ball in their face. And then the next week... We had a substitute. We were playing flag football and they were just taking her out like freaking bloody nail marks down her back. And then trying to get her, they slammed the one like little Asian girl so hard. It knocked all her braces off, you know. And so I was getting pretty pissed. And then they decided that they were just going to harass me because they looked weird. Um, There was like... A lot of um, race on race violence at that school. Yeah. Like there would actually be like, we'd get locked into rooms sometimes and stuff kind of. Um, but then everybody would always gang up if it was a white person. Like all the other races were like, great, let's get that person, you know. But it was like we'd have like cowboys and punkers coming from West and cowboys coming from South just to beat each other up on our property. It was like weird. Yeah. Okay, it's possible this is all still happening. I don't know, I'm old. But lots of high schools were like this in the 80s and even still in the late 90s. This is Carmelita who also went to school in California. My high school was, was kind of run like a prison. Oh my goodness. Was, you had groups that didn't mix. You had groups that could not be in the same room because there was gonna be violence. It was a hectic time in my hometown, the 90s. Uh -huh. Very violent, a lot of um, issues with gang violence. Come in. Hi. Hi. Our friend Liz and my kid Eddie just joined us, so you might hear them pipe in. This is where things at school got really nuts. So there was this whole kind of thing where like, I don't know how to describe this in a way that doesn't sound weird, but as a white person at school, you had to just try to fade into the background, like in a lot of ways, like, and then people, they would roll in these like big groups of people and they liked kind of pushing the boundaries of how they could intimidate you. Like, so it was like this weird power thing that you would just kind of like let it roll. Right. So, but I got fed up one day cause we would park in this one parking lot and every time I would try to pull in a group of people would start walking as slow as they possibly could so that we'd be late to class because we were stuck there waiting to get into the parking lot. And one day I was like senior in high school. I was really late and I just had it. And so I, I saw them coming. I knew what they were going to do. So I hit the gas just a little bit. 
And then the leader of the group threw himself against my car to try and act like I hit him. Mm-hmm. So as we were going around to the parking lot, my friends were like, Don, please don't say anything. Don't open your mouth. Don't be sassy. Just don't do anything, you know? And I was like, all right. Because they were all scared. They were always so scared because we were always like getting threatened to be beat up. And they would all ditch me and leave me to get beat up. So I pull in. And this guy was like six foot two, but really wiry and skinny. He came over, opened my car door, stood between the car and me and said, bitch, I can't believe you tried to run me over. And I was like, what? I didn't. You threw yourself against my car. And he's like, are you fucking stupid or what? You fucking blah, blah. And I was like, well, I did get dropped on my head a lot as a child. Like, that's exactly what I said. And he was like, bitch. And he like hauled back as high as he could. And we called it bitch slap at the time. Bitch slapped me so hard. And I was like, exploded in rage. Like I had like exploded out of the car so much that he jumped back. And I was like, did you just hit me? So here's my friend Tess, who can I describe? She's chubby. She has real blonde hair and she's wearing it in pigtail braids. And she's wearing like a little white lacy dress and she sees him do that to me so she like bops over and she's like hey what did you just do to my friend like and he's like get away from me bitch you know and she's like yeah but did you just hit my friend you can't hit my friend and he starts shoving her and she's like don't shove me and he's all fuck you bitch and he punches her so hard that he killed all four front teeth knocked her braces off and killed all four of her front teeth blood is like everywhere and all the football players all the jocks they all watched it go down and no one did a thing you know and I was like oh my god like I was just like trying to help her and and then they all took off and uh we were like okay what are we gonna do because if we like there'd been a lot of race violence at the school in the last couple months and we were like this is just gonna ratchet it up worse like so let's not let's not make a big deal about this you know like so we didn't make a big deal about it they didn't make a big deal about it and all that year don tried to just roll with the verbal punches that she got in the hallway but that was the beginning of the year and for the whole rest of the year I constantly got my tires slashed. Like in the winter time, they would chew gum and put it in my keyholes, so you can't oh like it would freeze in there, so right. you can't get the car open. Right. That's so annoying. And they would do stuff to the other girls I was friends with. Like they'd slam their locker on their hand when they walked by, or like Ow. knock the hat off their head, or push them into the lockers, or like scare them in the bathroom. But they never did it to me, like because I would stand up to them. And then one day. I was so excited because we went to London when I was in summer of my junior year and I went to that mod store and I got all these half black, half white shoes. So I was wearing these black and white go-go boots and I was walking by the yeah. girls from a couple years back got who it. already the hated PE me. girls. Yeah. yeah. Essie and Asila were their names. Like, and they're all bitch. Like what kind of, you know, like just going off on my shoes and me sassy me. I was like, do you like him? Like we can go shopping together. Like that's how I would always respond. <laughs> like never any take the bait, you know? And they were like, what? Like, you know, ju- and of course there go all my friends all running off and leaving me there with these three girls. You need a better and friend. Th- I know. <laughs> and then they were like, wait, you're the bitch who tried to kill John Ross or whatever his name was. And I was like, okay, first of all, I didn't try to kill him. I didn't 
even hit him. But sometimes, after all this, I wish I had. And they were like, bitch, we're going to stab you. We're going to shank you in the back. You better watch your back because you're going to be dead before the end of the year. And then it was like this constant threats of stabbing me to death and stuff. But apparently it was credible enough that the security was watching me all the time. Like, I didn't know that they were because they actually thought they might stab me. <laughs> but I was like, it's high school. Like, nobody's going to stab anybody. You know, like, whatever. Like. And then she had her breaking point. So one day, I, like, lost it because I came out to the car with my sister, who was two years younger than me, and carved into my car, like, letters, like, this big. On one side, it says bitch. On the hood, it says slut in, like, giant (gasps) carved letters. On the other side, it says W-H-O-R. Which I was like, I guess it's a four. And on the back, okay, but on the back it says Crips. Okay, I'd never heard of Crips. Apparently they were Crips, but I didn't know it was a thing, right? And they had stabbed all four tires and there was gum in the keyholes. And I was like, you know what? That is it. And my sister just started weeping. She was so scared. She started crying. And I was like, that's it. And I like dragged her to the principal's office. And I was like, bang, bang, bang. And I was like, listen, I'm trying to be super cool this whole year. Like shit just constantly happens. And I just blow it off. But this time it's gotten too far. And I need you to come out here. And I need you to do something about it, you know. And so I drag him out there to see it. And I was like going off them all. Also, like WHRE. Quite the testament to your school system. You must feel really proud. I was like, and then when I got to the back, I was like, and what did Crips like? Were they trying to write crippled and they couldn't figure out how to fix the end of it? And he started laughing so hard. And he was like, that's not what that means, girl. And I was like, are you laughing right now? You think this is funny? Look at my sister. She's like weeping, you know, like. And I guess like my mom went. Or they called her in. Yeah. And we're like, look, your your daughter should change schools. It's too dangerous for her here. What? We can't protect her all the time. We had security guards with guns, but they still couldn't protect me. And she's like, no, she's not changing schools. You're going to get your shit together. And you're yeah, going to make sure that nothing happens response. to her. You know, like. That guy from the first story, he went to jail. And not for bitch slapping Dawn. Um, my friend didn't go to school for three months because she had her jaw wired shut. Oh my gosh. But he, we ended up not even having to testify because he punched his pregnant girlfriend. Like he beat up his pregnant girlfriend before we even, and he wasn't, he oh no, that guy was full psycho. Yeah, because yeah, he was, he was in a gang. Insane. I didn't even know there were gangs. When I was in a practically all-white high school, dudes would meet up in their big trucks after football games to pretend to fight each other. And sometimes they did. And the biggest brawl I was near was one initiated by the Sharps, skinheads against racial prejudice, who, though I agree with ideologically, were high school punk asses nonetheless. California's Central Valley has historically been an agriculture-based economy, with a lot of rural areas. But Fresno, my hometown, and Bakersfield, where Don's from, are basically the two big cities in the region, in between San Francisco in the north and Los Angeles in the south. 
I know. So I, I think, didn't know Bakersfield like was that bad. Actually, I mean, I know just that's the drug... all of this is some like Gen X shit that I feel like is yeah. not as bad yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's the drug capital of California. It's the drug pass through of California. Right. So you got like all your tweaker meth head mm-hmm. hillbilly like crazy. You put a large city in the Central Valley. Right. Yep. That's yep. that's yep. what happens. Look at Stockton. Yeah. Liz is from Modesto, another mid-sized Central Valley town. Kids threatening to, like, get yeah. up on you and beat you up after school. Right. And, that like, getting so jumped. That's junior high. That's yeah. not high school. That's fucking junior high, at yeah. least in my experience. Like, yeah. By the time I got to high school, there was none of that. I, I mean, it wasn't just threatening. I'm going to say this. Here's one of those strategies that Dawn learned to use. I actually would have gotten beat up every time on the spot yeah. if I had a different way of handling the situation. But I found really quickly that the thing that throws people off the most is being uber polite. They, like, don't understand it. They yeah. never experienced in that scenario. And it throws them so off. So you learn de-escalation skills yes. real early. <laughs> it yeah. throws them so off that you could just stroll away where they're like, Yeah, because when they give aggression, they're expecting aggression yeah, back, and exactly. that's what they want. Right, and totally. And when they don't give them that, right. it's like exactly. their dumb brains are all like, mm-hmm. I know, like, I would just be, like, so polite and use such big words in the nicest possible way, because mm-hmm. I wasn't scared of them, like... But, I mean, there was a part of me that was like, I could really get my ass kicked here. One time, one friend stayed with me, and I almost regretted that she stayed because these girls from across the street were like, hey, bitch. Like, and it was always me. Even though my other friend, my best friend, looked weird. They would never have touched her. Um, and they came over. They're like, we're going to kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. I was doing my diffusion tactic. She's like, girl. Or she's like, you don't believe I could kill you right now? And Kimmy goes, I do believe it because you're killing me right now just with your breath. And I was like, <laughs> damn it. We might not get out of this one. But again, it was so logical and on point that the girl was just, they just thrown. walk away. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Otherwise, I think oh, I would have so gotten my Why do you think that you like drew that kind of attention? Like, was it just that you were different? That you, like, looked different? Yeah, because all Plus those you were things... tall. I'm that girl that it's hard to forget because I'm chubby, blonde, weird girl. Like, but clothes I was never, were different. Like, big, blonde hair. Weird, big, blonde hair. Big, blonde hair. You dressed like a mod girl in high school. A little bit, but mostly garage. Sometimes mod, mostly garage. How do you describe garage? It was just what you could find at Goodwill. So, like, yeah. a lot of times it would oh, be, like, that. a checkered black and white skirt and, like, a black sweater or mm-hmm, something you know mm-hmm. but if i could find crazy like 60s dresses and stuff, oh yeah you had the wear, crazy colorful dresses too. yeah yeah, yeah. i'd wear a lot of like paisley old dresses and yes. like crazy stuff like that yeah so we've heard some of her strategies that work and sometimes don't be uber polite, make a silly little self-deprecating comment that throws them off, scream, turn around and make eye contact, wait for another elevator. But after being the victim of violence, there's internal work that you have to do too. And this is actually the piece that haunts Dawn. And this was like, I think I may have told you this, I really struggled after this of, of growing up thinking I wasn't racist, like I don't have these feelings, like I really thought that and like 
this stuff happened and it really like shook me. Right. So there was a part of me that I had to deal with, which was like, okay, like, do I have racist feelings now? Because when I would see a group of people that look like that group of people coming, I would be on my guard. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, have I become like a super racist now? Like, and I still struggle with that feeling, you know, of like, am I feeling this way about the group of people coming towards me because of the persona they're projecting or just because they're this race or that race and I've become a horrible person, you know? So that was my first like deep dive into like trying to like sort that out, you know, like, um, and I, I don't have it handled, but, you know, like, yeah. I feel like... I think anybody that goes through trauma, which is what you just described, yeah, has to process feelings like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's all about your lizard brain. Like, if you yeah. think thoughts about someone that's walking toward you based yeah. on your trauma, your lizard brain is like, hello, that's dangerous, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And But I finally, where I've come to the space is that, like, and I always say this as, like, a juxtaposition, like, after living the sunset, the thing that scares me most is a group of Irish guys super wasted coming towards me because those dudes are extra crazy. Like, <laughs> And I, when I can hear them singing and super drunk, I'm like, I'm just going to move to this area, you know. But it's all based on, like, these experiences that I have had, you know. Um, The experiences each of us have create the lens by which we interpret the world. And doing the work of adulthood is evaluating how this lens affects our beliefs and actions and making conscious decisions about it, not living in the lizard brain. So that presents complex questions rooted in childhood experiences. How can you feel fully in your body when it seems to bring you so much pain, when it's the target of others' judgment or violence? How can you protect yourself while still being soft enough to connect with yourself and others? How do you use the fight or flight mechanism your lizard brain triggers to keep you safe while logically understanding the biases it contains? So these were the learning moments that shaped Dawn. You have your own you're probably still working through. Some situations we learn to not give a crap about, some we choose to laugh about, and others, we decide to scream. 